Presses Play. Hey everyone, and welcome to Girl Presses Play, the movie podcast where we talk about films, what we think about them, and what makes them so damn great. I'm your host, Alana Rafferty. Get comfy, grab some popcorn, and get ready, because we're about to press play. And now for our feature presentation. Hello, 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 all, and welcome back to Girl Presses Play. I hope you all are doing well, enjoying the fall weather, and of course, most importantly, sweater weather, perhaps already preparing for the award season batch of movies coming out soon. And speaking of important films, as film buffs, there's always going to be that batch of classic movies we're a little embarrassed to say that we've never watched. There's, of course, a whole list of them for me, but... One of the most relevant ones for this season that I had never seen is the original Superman movie, which was a huge shock to my boyfriend as well. Um, And it was interesting because when watching the movie, and of course any movie for the podcast, I'm always trying to figure out what I want to say about it because there's a difference between a straight up recap show like Dirty Little Horror or something a little more analytical like Film Class Heroes or... The Celluloid Mirror, for example. So I thought for this episode, it might be a good idea to kind of split the difference between those two and explore some of the ways that Superman has impacted not just superhero films, but the audiences as well. So grab your thinking caps and your red capes as we take a look at the classic 1978 film Superman, directed by Richard Donner. Before we get started with the film, here's a little bit of history about the character. So Superman was created by Joe Shuster and Jerry Siegel in the early 1930s. And originally, he was conceptualized as a villain with clairvoyant powers. But when they were trying to become syndicated authors, they revised the character just a little bit to have even more powers. But probably even more importantly for the wider history of this character... They edited him to become a superhero rather than a villain. And he went through a few design iterations during that change from various artists. But in 1937, they eventually settled on the classic blue suit and red cape look. And one thing I found very interesting while researching this episode is that the influences Siegel and Schuster brought to the character of Superman, such as Buster Keaton for Clark Kent and Douglas Fairbanks for Superman... And also a lot of Superman's physique and costuming was also very heavily inspired by the strongmen of the early 20th century, which I found very fascinating because now that I look at the character of Superman, I can't unsee that and not in a bad way, but just in a, oh, it's interesting for something that seems like such an original thing and is such an original thing in a lot of ways, has so many different influences that you can very clearly see and of course the superman comic becomes hugely popular in the u.s and fast forward to a few decades later to 1974 when development for a superman film began with Ilya and alexander sulkind i apologize to the family if i am mispronouncing their name horrendously 
Um, and they spent three years putting the creative team together. And one of the funnier stories from putting together that creative team is that the Sulkins turned down Steven Spielberg, who was relatively unknown at the time, and because they thought his salary was too high for being an unknown, since they hadn't seen a box office success from him yet. About two years later, Jaws comes out and basically invents the concept of the summer blockbuster, but they did eventually settle on director Richard Donner, which of course ended up being a fabulous choice anyway, and... Another really interesting story to come out of pre-production for this film is how the casting director, Lynn Stallmaster, suggested this young, recent Juilliard grad who hadn't really had a lot of credits named Christopher Reeve, who the producing team deemed too young and too skinny. <laughs> they saw, I kid you not, 200 other actors and finally agreed to see Reeve as a last, and I mean like, last resort. I think at one point... There's some story out there about, like, Salkin's wife's dentist auditioning for the role because he was tall enough and had the physique, even though he had had no acting experience, but they just got that desperate. <laughs> but, of course, Reeve came in and auditioned, blew them all away and got the role, and his casting is, interestingly enough, it's pretty reflective of how hard of a time Schuster and Siegel had trying to get Superman picked up by anyone really for publishing in the first place and a part of me wonders if the superhero in the movie needed to have a little bit of an underdog element to them to make the story more relatable just some food for thought of course you do <laughs> well well then uh is it true that uh you can see through anything uh yes it can oh pretty much mm -hmm. and that you're um totally impervious to pain well, so far. What color underwear am I wearing? Hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I embarrassed you, didn't I? Oh, no. I did. No, 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 not at all, Miss Lane. It's just that this platter must be made of lead. So I would like to be very clear that even though I hadn't seen this film before, it's not like I was avoiding this movie the way that... I'm not gonna lie... There are some longer classics from Kurosawa that they just seem really like slow and dry to the point where I'm like, I don't know if I can sit through this, but I know it will have to because it's Kurosawa and that's just a big film person no-no. But anyway, I just never got around to watching it just because. But now that I've watched it, I really do understand why it's such a classic and why it really puts superhero movies on the map. There are so many creative elements that work in this movie. The score by John Williams, which you know I was endlessly humming in my apartment and at work for the next three days. And the very delicate but very expertly handled balance between the visual artifice, like where it starts with the theater curtains and then zooms in with those really intense uh, opening credits, and the groundedness that works really well, like the interview scene. And of course, there is the pitch-perfect casting of Christopher Reeve, who will always be the best Superman, period. I will say Brandon Routh in Superman Returns did a pretty good job. Like he did, you know, a lot with a tall order, but nothing will ever top the charm or the vulnerability or just overall je ne sais quoi of Reeve's Superman. And I think that's one of the things that makes the movie work so well is 
the level of vulnerability our lead hero has. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it. Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it. Um, Towards the end, when Lex Luthor sends a bomb to open the Marianas Trench to cause all sorts of earthly havoc, and Superman plugged the dam that breaks, but he didn't get to Lois Lane in time to keep her from getting crushed to death during the earthquake, he pulls her body out of the car and just cries, like cries and cries over the woman he loved that he's seemingly lost forever and will never know how much he loved her. Like, ah, just talking about this. You know I cried like a baby when this scene came on. But back to analysis. And even though the one thing his late dad on Krypton said not to do was to interfere with the history of humans or their affairs, he loved her so much that he literally spun the world around in reverse to turn back time and save her. I will light my favorite sweater on fire if I find the person that wouldn't do the same thing to save someone they loved. So that's a very long-winded way of explaining that Donner very smartly understood that the human imperfect part of him is our hook and what makes us want to follow him and the super elements of him are what make us want to look up to him and find out what he's going to do next. And I think that's what makes people come back to this movie again and again is being able to find the human in the superhero and then perhaps finding the superhero in themselves. And needless to say what the giant success of this movie at the box office, as well as also the critical and also audience success of this film, it really set the tone for what superheroes could be after it, which I think is the biggest reverberation of this film's history. Because before 1978, superheroes were kind of relegated to fun primetime shows like Batman or the Green Hornet. But Donner's Superman showed just how compelling and also just how dramatically interesting and dense these films could be. And if you look at film history, this really did pave the way for films like Burton's Batman and looking ahead the Marvel and DC movies, especially I think Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman, which I think of all the more recent superhero films has the most similar tone. Because yeah, it's a superhero movie, but I think if we reduce superhero movies to just that, we forget their impact on the wider world of cinema. Because while it's a superhero movie, it's also an important movie that changed the course of popular cinema. And it's important to a lot of people out there, including you wonderful people. Earlier this summer, I posted on social media asking folks, what their thoughts were on what makes Superman such a great film. And I've got a lot of great responses. At Microphonics wrote, There's really no beating Reeves' charm. Only Cavill has come close, but Reeve was not only likable as an inherently trustworthy superhero, but also likable and relatable as doofy Clark Kent. The movie really benefited from a comedic villain in Gene Hackman's Lex Luthor, whose obviously doomed-to-fail schemes gave them a lot of breathing room for the romance and charm. That romance and charm especially set up the film's big twist and cemented it as a classic. Filmmaker and fellow podcaster Sean Mannion wrote on Instagram, Longtime favorite of mine. It's very sweet and very fun. And I think that's exactly what makes this movie so great, is how fun it is and how sweet it is. It's not because of anything groundbreaking in the way of special effects or detailed, interconnected Marvel-style plots, but... 
just how well made it is and how much people relate and connect to the characters. One might say Superman isn't so super after all. Okay, he is. He can freaking fly and lift helicopters and all of that, but but I think what makes him so super is just how human he is. Thank you so much for listening and being a super audience, but um, I had to make a cheesy joke. You know I did. Um, what about you guys? What were your favorite parts of Donner's Superman? Is there another Superman film you prefer or perhaps a TV show iteration, either live action or animated? Let us know in the comments. We love to hear from you guys. And tune in next week as we continue our adventure in superhero films with special guest star Colin Lieberg, who is a screenwriter and producer at Cobalt Night. And we're going to have some fun, guys. We're going to space. I think you're going to really like this episode and have as much fun listening to it as we did making it. And until that very fun episode, stay safe and keep watching movies. See you next time. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound, this amazing stranger from the planet Krypton, the man of steel, Superman. Empowered with X-ray vision, possessing remarkable physical strength, Superman fights a never-ending battle for truth and justice, disguised as a mild-mannered newspaper reporter, Clark Kent. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check back every Tuesday for new episodes and be sure to check us out on our Patreon page where you can support the show and get some really cool exclusive stuff for doing it. Special thanks to John F., Feriolo Fencing, LLC, Mariano Dwyer, and Helen Rafferty. For news on upcoming episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Girl Presses Play. The show is written, produced, and hosted by Alana Rafferty. Intro music is composed by Asha Iwanowitz, and our logo design is by Mark Sauvé. Thanks again. See you next time. <laughs>